0: Welcome to the Cap City Officers Podcast. This is episode 91. Uh, you got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about non-ballistic firearm safety. Uh, by non-ballistic firearm safety, what we're talking about is all the things, aside from getting shot, um, that can cause you serious harm or long-term harm um, as a result of being part of the responsible firearm ownership lifestyle. Absolutely. Um, guys, we
1: no, the, the 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 smart me wants to start off with you know with like um you're racking the gun doing your dry fire practice so you're not shooting it and you're you know I don't know and you have your thumb in the way and you cut your thumb on the slide or something like that, but that's actually not what we're talking about um there are a lot of things around firearms ownership that that don't necessarily involve making loud noises. They involve things like storage. They involve uh, cleaning and maintenance. They involve reloading ammunition. They involve storing components for reloading ammunition and different things of that nature. So that's kind of where we're headed today. We're going to run through um, a, a number of those different things and talk about those. And, and this is a direct result of conversations with customers in the shop over the last you know few months with ammo running low. Um, we have a, a lot of our tribe, a lot of our customers, a lot of, a lot of dudes that we deal with on a daily basis coming in saying, Hey, you know, I'm reloading. You guys have this or do you have that? And then we get in the conversation around reloading. Um, and a couple things have come up that, that, you know, if you don't know, you don't know these, these folks are not unintelligent people. Um, you know they're they're pretty smart folks they're just they're doing something that's new to them and they don't necessarily have a rabbi who's guiding them through that process you can say hey you don't want to do this or you do want to do this beyond that they may have a rabbi um, that mimics one of the guys that used to be one of my rabbis who would literally sit around reloading with a cigarette in one hand and a a couple fingers of bourbon or scotch right next to him on the reloading bench while handling all this stuff and, and never mind the fact about you know cigarettes and flammable materials around gunpowder never mind the fact around you know scotch or liquor around reloading and guns and things of that nature um, that was 50 years ago 40 years ago but anyway uh, you know we'll talk about some of the other the, the secondary concerns with those specific behaviors you know and go from there um, might be some things you haven't thought about might be some things you have thought about might be some things you want to pass on to your friends if you know these things. It might be the reminder or a way to codify it to have that conversation with your friends that are new to this stuff. To say, hey, you know, you got young kids in the house. Hey, you've got a pregnant wife in the house. Hey, you've got you know, um, you know these different concerns. You know, you want to be aware of these things. And so we're just going to kind of burn through some of those um, and talk about those things.
0: Yeah, and when we talk about reloading, uh, we are not talking about reloading the gun. We are talking about reloading metallic. Um, ammunition Um, I'm just going to opine that if you are planning on having kids in the near future or if you have kids under the age of 5 in your house just don't reload ammunition yeah, I, I would say you, from you need a, to, From a lead safety concern, yeah, lead from a lead safety standpoint. And
1: in, in the reality check around that, um, you know, we, we joke around, I'm the way I am because I was around lead too much as a kid. Um, and if you know me, that's kind of funny. If you don't, sorry, I don't mean to be offensive if you know somebody who's actually had lead poisoning. Um, I have had elevated lead levels a couple times in my life, not as a child that I'm aware of, <laughs> that I'm aware of. Um, <laughs> doesn't mean it didn't happen. Um, uh, with, what, what Brian's saying about reloading with kids in the house... Um, Let's talk about that specifically. Um, one of our one of our good customers, good guys, getting into this stuff. Um, we're talking the other day about lead exposure, things of that nature. He's also casting lead bullets. Addition, in addition to reloading, yeah. casting lead bullets, melting down lead, um, and then pouring it into a mold, and then letting it cool, and then getting it out of a mold, and then tumbling it, cleaning it up, handling it, holding it, etc. Are are all things that are like a, a multiple of increase in danger or risk of exposure to lead for both you and your family. Um, one of the things that we talk about is if, if you know anything about shooting ranges, the ballistic aspect of lead in the air or heavy metals in the air, mer- mercury, copper, different things like that. Um, anytime you push something down the barrel of a weapon at 1,000 feet per second, part of that contact surface between the projectile and the barrel It gets aerosolized or vaporized or something along those lines. When you melt down a metal, it also aerosolizes to some extent. It gets in the air. It gets in the atmosphere. It splashes. It bubbles. It pops. It ends up on the floor. It ends up touching other things. You end up stepping in it. If the kids are around later, so we're going to assume that you're not going to have kids around 900 degree molten metals while you're doing this. But let's say the kids are around in that same area playing later and stuff like that, and they're walking through lead residues on the ground, um, let's say it's summertime and they're not wearing shoes, or let's say they're down on the ground playing with chalk in the same area and they're touching those areas, um, you know, the kids, kids' exposure to those types of things through touch is greatly increased over hours. Their skin thickness is not as thick as ours. Their ability for that stuff to permeate their skin is significantly greater than adults. Um, you know, so, so those types of things where you have just that elemental lead in your area, and the other adjuncts that you might use along with it um, may not be necessarily safe either. Other metals that you're melting down to add to it, you don't know where necessarily those metals have been. So it's not even just the lead. It's the whole component of I'm going to melt something down and and aerosolize it or vaporize it, put it in the air, let it get on other surfaces nearby, where then somebody else could get it on their skin and and have whatever issues that come from that. Um, I I I don't know that I'm going to go as far as to say you shouldn't reload if you have kids. I will go so far as to say you should be extremely cautious about doing all of this stuff. But you need to get educated about it. Um, doing yeah. it slowly mean you know I'm going to be careful and do it slow it doesn't necessarily mean you're taking the correct precautions. Um, it's not about slow. It's about being able to isolate that those contaminants to one specific space. And then be able to mitigate cleaning up that space on a regular basis, so that you know down the road, once the kid's old enough to be in that room with you or whatever, you haven't just completely made a three-mile island out of your reloading room. That's or
0: out of your entire house. Out of your entire or house, an entire absolutely. Garage, yeah. Basement, et cetera. Yeah. And
1: those of you that work in manufacturing environments with dangerous stuff, you know, you've seen the mats that you step on when you come and go. Um, you know, maybe you treat it in a clean room mentality where when you walk in, you know, you put on a different pair of shoes that stays in that room or whatever. And while some of these precautions may seem a little bit over the top, um, the first time your two and a half year old tests, you know, with a high lead rate, um, guess who gets to come visit you? Children's services and God knows who else from will the health department. Yeah, from the health department will be in your house. Um and they'll be, then they'll, and, and believe me, you, um, depending on what school system your kids in, this, that, and the other, uh, you will be marked um, as a danger to yourself, your children, and your community. Blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, it's okay if you're dealing drugs out of your house. You know, the courts aren't going to do anything about that. But God bless you if you're reloading ammo, you will be the devil. So. Yeah. Take some of these things in, you know, in in mind as you're doing that, and get educated about them. So we're going to run through some of that stuff, probably more so with a mind to keeping you healthy as the person who's reloading ammo, um, reloading metallic cartridges, um, and and but also your family and how not to spread it and stuff like that. So this, you know, this podcast might end up being a little bit long. I'm not sure because there's there might be a fair amount to this.
0: Yeah, so, one of the yeah. other things to consider, um, you know, we we pick up. Cartridge casings off the ground at the range, um, we get them gifted to us by friends, family, whatever. Um, those cartridges have had um, a metallic or a, a primer go off, which contains all kinds of heavy metals. Yeah. Um, to cause the detonation, um, in burning, you know, powder. Depending on the bullet design, uh, we've likely have exposed lead on the base of that bullet. Yeah. So now we've got lead residue inside the cartridge. Uh, when we tumble that to clean it up, so we're typically tumbling, you know, brass in either walnut or, um, yeah, cornhole, cornhole walnut, holes, whatever, walnut, whatever, whatever media, whatever media, that media is now, you know, saturated in heavy metals, contaminated, um, and contaminated, absolutely contaminated, um, so, you know, we go from a tumbler to the, the sifter, um, that kind of aerosolizes all that stuff in the air, yep. now we've got, you know, this dust that's full of all kinds of nasty things, yes, um, that is probably, you know, that gets kind of over, all over everything. Yep. Um, it's one of the reasons, you know, why I say, you know, if, you, if you've got small children, please, 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 yeah. you know, take extra precautions um, to minimize, you know, where that kind of stuff ends up. Yes. Um, if you're, again, depending on, you know, touching ammo, so, you know, dealing with bullets, um, again, depending on the bullet design, you know, if you've got a um, plated bullet, you know, everything's encased. Some of the newer, like, Syntec bullets, everything is encased. Um, most of your full metal jacket rounds have exposed lead on the bottom. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to handle those, you know, without touching the lead at some point.
1: Absolutely. And from a range perspective, too, um, again, as Brian mentioned, when you shoot that bullet, there's, extremely, there's an extreme heat, extreme pressure on the base of that bullet that's going to aerosolize or, or, or vaporize some of that lead and, and put it into the air as well as on your gun. But it's also landing on the floor of the range. It's also landing on the walls of the range. It's landing on the gravel. If that bullet is being used, maybe it's at an outdoor range where it's impacting a steel target. Now that casing on that bullet may be compromised and you may have lead that gets vaporized or or just chunks of lead busted off. If you look on the ground at the impact end of a shooting range, Um, that you can find projectiles that are smashed and there's exposed lead and you can in my opinion I think you can see lead on different things around that Um, handling steel targets coated with lead Uh, you know all those different things so you know be aware of that because that's all that stuff that's where that brass is falling and if you're fishing around through gravel to pick up brass you're fishing around through lead to pick up brass and even if it may not look like the firing line even if it's back 20 yards Every time it goes bang, there's there's that vapor deposition coming out of the muzzle of the gun that's going to land somewhere, and it's going to land in that gravel, Um, you know. So just again, as you're picking up brass, maybe bringing some gloves with you. We sell the D wipes, um, the wipes that get rid of the lead and stuff like that off your hands or heavy metals off your hands. Um,
0: We will soon have the the D lead soap. Yeah,
1: the soap. We got some of that coming in. Yeah, so you know those products are outstanding but you're still better off to have a primary barrier like a rubber glove or just a work glove or something like that. The nice thing about the rubber glove is you throw it away before you leave the range or you throw it away when you get home, whatever. Whereas the work glove, you're gonna go wash it um, and now you're possibly smearing lead around to other people's clothing and stuff like that in the wash. So again, be aware of that cross-contamination aspect of lead because that's a really big deal. Um, Talk to anyone who does lead in the home remediation, about the precautions that the EPA now makes you go through to replace windows that have been painted with lead paint, or to or to remediate lead within your household, um, it involves putting down drop cloths out, you know, ten feet in every direction. It involves wearing almost full fricking hazmat suits and everything else. And that's for lead paint. That's for something that you know is contained within the paint itself, not something that's been vapor deposited all over everything yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, another thing you know, if you're picking up brass on the range um, don't put it in your hat yeah have a, a designated container that that brass goes into. Um, you know we see that all the time you know I get a, you know lots of guys in the military that was the thing you pick, took your hat off you put your brass in it. Um, you now put all that heavy metals and stuff on your hair in your scalp um, in direct contact with your skin going forward. Explains a lot about Marines, doesn't it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just poking fun. Just poking fun. Uh, we
1: didn't shoot enough bullets in the Air Force to get real letty. Sorry. Uh, so, so guys, uh, let's, let's run through, um, you know, maybe just gun cleaning real quickly. Um, you know, we've talked about maintaining your weapons and stuff like that. Um, using proper gun cleaning stuff. Um, that, that removes the lead from the barrels and so different things of that nature. You know, we talk about the right, the right cleaning, all the slip products and this, that and the other, um, doing your cleaning in an area. If you clean your guns at the kitchen table, if you clean your guns at the kitchen counter where food is prepared, um, you know, maybe rethink that, or, or at least maybe make sure that you have a really good cleanup, um, you know, really good cleanup going on afterwards. Uh, also definitely consider wearing gloves in that environment. I don't know if a respirator it would necessarily be recommended because you're spraying everything down with the liquid um, and then right. cleaning it up so I don't know the respirator would be necessary, but you're going to end up with lead on your hands from the barrel and the lead's deposited around the action inside the slide if it's a handgun. Um, you know if it's a rifle, same conversation, you know definitely make sure you're you know wear, wear gloves or at least wash your hands really well afterwards. I would say wear gloves. Um, that is actually something that I, I got into a number of years ago. Uh, Because a number of different times I got done cleaning stuff up and I'm just thinking, wow, okay, so I like the slip products and I know they're non toxic, but they're floating a whole bunch of crap off the gun that just can't be good for me. Um, So I've I've purchased a couple boxes of just medical grade, you know, latex or or whatever other nitrile nitrile if you're, you know, if you're latex allergic or someone in the house is latex allergic. Um, But cleaning cleaning the guns, um, you know, shooting the guns, your, your PPE, That's a different conversation because we always think about eyes and ears and stuff like that. I'm not going to necessarily tell you to wear rubber gloves when you're shooting your gun, um, but also consider the fact that you could be getting exposure there too and take appropriate precautions depending on the environment in which you're shooting. Uh, We're seeing a lot of folks do more and more of running masks and stuff like that on the range. Uh, With the COVID thing, you know, some of the SOTR masks and stuff like that were really designed more for mechanical breaching, explosives breaching, where you're putting particulate matter, explosives matter and stuff in the air. Um, and then whatever else was inside of the Haji hut when you blew it up, you know. And so be aware that there are some devices out there. If you wanted to do that too, that's fine. It might be overkill, yeah. might well, not.
0: Um, you know, the when we talk about the SODER mask, um, that's an Opscore product that yeah. is designed to give you, you know, basically like N one hundred level protection um, from particulate matter. Uh, actually, a lot of guys that were doing SF guys and whatnot that were doing very high round count like shoe house. Um, month-long courses and things. find spaces we Or stuff. We're wearing those um, because they get tested for lead before the class and at the end of the class and definitely noticed an uptick yep. by the end of, you know, their month-long or six-week uh, train-up. Yeah. Um, if you're going, you know, shooting on an indoor range more than probably once a month, um, yeah. you know, th- these are definitely things to consider. Sure. Um, being out, you know, if you're able to safely shoot outside, um, you know, having that extra ventilation is definitely a plus.
1: Yeah. And if you if you are a non-Special Forces, cake-eating, civilian kind of person, and you're shooting as many rounds in a one-month period as an SF guy is in a train-up, um, I am available for adoption. Uh, stop by the store at 4465 Cemetery Road. We'll do some paperwork, and you can adopt me as your child, and I'll take some of that ammo off your hands, because that's what my kids do with my ammo is take that ammo off my hands. So, um, Storing guns. You're going to handle guns storing them. Keep the same thing in mind. You know, if you're getting guns in and out, if you're if you're getting those guns out, maybe that you don't shoot real often, but you're going to clean them up once a year, um, same thing, um, putting them back in the, you know, in the safe. Um, I tend to run the guns that I don't shoot a lot in the gun socks so that I'm not scratching other guns up on them, but it also limits contact to those guns as I'm reaching in and out of the safe, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and go from there. Um, guys, we talked uh, about reloading a little bit. Let's talk specifically about handling ammo just in general terms, um, you know, the ammo is manufactured in a facility where there's, you know, metallic, um, you know, where there's cases, there's powder, there's primers, there's everything else in the world there. And while most of it's not (laughs) catching fire or being ignited at any point in the process, we would hope, um, those that it's still in that environment. Um, you know, so be aware as you're handling ammo, if you're jamming mags, um, you know, you're, you're touching a lot of, a lot of, ammo that's been in an environment where there could be free metals floating around whether that be lead copper whatever else um where there are other chemicals that are in the powder powder itself or in the powder making process that are residual or in the primers themselves or the primer making process that are residual um plus just handling and cleaning chemicals that might be used in the process of making ammunition as well
0: we're dealing with
1: dealing with getting
0: metals prepped yeah manufacturing period yeah
1: manufacturing period um, you know, so, you know, again, I'm not saying you need to wear gloves to, you know, rubber gloves to load your mags or whatever, but, you know, consider those things. Again, if it's high round count enough, you know, what are you getting into? Um, plus, you know, a lot of the ammo we're seeing right now is coming from overseas. You know, there's a lot of ammo coming in from different places. And what do the QC processes look like? Um, those, those steel cased, uh, rounds that you're loading up, God only knows
0: but they say the first person holds the rifle, the, the second comrade <laughs> <in recent> magazine. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, so there's there's the idea of you know if you're shooting ammo that's coming from offshore, you know what's used in that manufacturing process could be a whole different kettle of fish. Um, you know, kind of a bubble bubble toilet trouble kind of thing. What do you know? What are your hands going into as you're handling that ammo? Um, and the same thing, you're also handling a gun. You're also handling magazines that presumably have been in and out of said gun, which are now dirty, because that is a, the chamber area of the gun, the the, the, you know, the feed and ejection area of that gun. Um, that area gets really, really dirty and gets crudded up with all kinds of stuff, too. So, you know, again, not to sound like a nervous Nelly, but just some things to consider um, around handling non-reloaded ammo. Um, we talked about picking brass up off the ground, whether it's your reloads or whether it's factory manufactured or factory reloaded or whatever, Um, you know, all different things to consider too. Um, you know, again, I, I, I guess I just, we were finding ourselves as, as high round count shooters, um, kind of having this stuff thrown in our face, which is what led to this topic. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately lead exposure isn't one of those things that necessarily gets you the first time Yeah. or the 10th time or even the hundredth time. Yeah. But it, it builds up inside your body. So starting, Sooner than later, just helps prevent issues, you know, way down the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, we joke about acute lead poisoning, um, but reality, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's an overtime kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's repeat, it's chronologic exposure that gets you, um, and it does compound. Um, it does stay in your system for a really, really long time. Um, it's it, it a lot like mercury poisoning. You know, yeah. you could drink an eight ounce glass of mercury if it was your first exposure, it's probably going to go straight through you, and there's not going to be a significant numerical difference. Um, but if you dip your finger in it every day for a month, you're probably going to have elevated mercury numbers, same kind of conversation with that guys. So, uh, you know, keep, keep those things in mind. Um, how much further do we want to beat this horse?
0: I think we, we beaten it quite
1: well. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, guys, if you're, if you're serious about this stuff, if you shoot a lot, you know, for cleaning guns and stuff like that, buying a, buying a couple extra, um, a couple extra packets of gloves or, or a box of gloves, nitriles or whatever. Um, if you are reloading ammo, you need to seriously evaluate your reloading area, re, your reloading processes, your, your case harvesting processes, your case transportation processes, um, and all those different things. You really, really, really need to take a serious look at that. Um, you know, That's a review of, of, of where you're getting the brass, how you're transporting it, how you're harvesting it, how you're physically transporting it back to your house, how you're getting it in your house and storing it as it an open container that you're jostling around um you know what risks are in that house do you have somebody who you know maybe is at risk and shouldn't be exposed to lead whether that's a child or whether that's somebody who has other illnesses that i don't you know maybe it's a comorbidity issue there um the space like brian was saying you know choose that space wisely does that space have a cold air return are you reloading an enclosed area area your basement that doesn't necessarily have good ventilation that's good and bad for you um because if it's bad ventilation if it's a closed space you're not letting that go through your ventilation system, your HVA system in your house and get to the rest of the house, but you're living in it for a significant period of time. So, you know, a way the good and bad, um, you know, as you're coming and going from that space, you know, again, do you kick your shoes off and put on a separate pair of shoes that stay there? Do you have uh, sticky mats that you step on coming and going one way or the other? Do you have that space for absolutely sure, locked down so that an unauthorized person can't get in there and by unauthorized person I don't mean your drunk buddy who might take a pound of powder and go you know shove it in something to light it on fire but a child or somebody who doesn't need to be around that can you keep them out of that area and make sure they're not in there Um, again I I, you know I can remember being as a child being around guys reloading um, different world back in the 70s and 80s Um, but you know guys literally you know smoking so maybe lead was the least of their worries I don't know Um, but there's a reality check around, you know, being around that stuff. So, uh, it's a little bit different world. We know a little more about it than we used to. Um, so there's there, you know, and we have the ability now with all of the PPE stuff available because of COVID, you know, you know, take advantage of that. Yeah. Take advantage of that.
0: Yeah. One thing too, you know, if you are reloading, you know, think about your bullet, your actual physical bullet, um, selection and design. Yeah. Um, different bullet types, you know, can help mitigate some of the lead issues. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of my understanding that like the, the completely plated, like the original Barry's Mm electroplated bullets, that that's where that came out of was my understanding was people who are high volume practice shooters, competitive shooters, uh, went to those designs. Consider those things as you're making those selections. Um, you know, making your own lead bullets is probably inexpensive, but are the risks worth it? Um, buying lead bullets to reload might be cheaper than buying jacketed bullets, but is it worth it, et cetera. And in this day and age, it's hard to get all this stuff. So I get that you know you gotta make whatever decisions you make, but please understand they do affect other people. Um, also understand, you know we are not industrial hygienists. I don't think they use that term anymore. I think there's now a different, on the you can take industrial hygiene classes anymore. I think they call that something else. Probably
0: Uh, much more nerdy than But I'm old,
1: yeah, but I'm old. So I remember industrial hygiene when I was in college. Um, You know, look at at these processes, you know, from where's your most exposure and deal with those things first. If you're already in this process, start cleaning up your process. And if it's a dollars issue, look at where you have the most exposure and fix that first. Or look at where your kids or whomever else, it's the highest risk has the most exposure and fix those things first. But look at it very much from a process orientation. with that mentality, and, and and kind of pick it apart. Um, also, we're not experts on this specific topic, so chase down people who may might be experts on the specific process. If you have a friend of yours who works in a manufacturing facility where they have some of these concerns, talk to them and just say, hey, you know, what kind of tools are out there to help me mitigate this? Um, I'm sure there are sources online you could go to too within the firearms industry, reloading industry that talk about PPE and talk about you know sanitation and things of those nature. Yeah. So avail yourself of some of those sources. Um, definitely take advantage of that kind of stuff. Um, and then, and then lastly, I would also say too, um, w- this is something that, like I said, kind of got thrown in our face. Brian does a fair amount of reloading. I do not, I haven't done reloading in quite some time because ammo prices were really low until freaking COVID. Um, so there's a reality check that I'm probably going to be getting back into this too. I have all the equipment and all the stuff. I just haven't had to do it for 15 years. Um, you know, so if, if you're, if you're going into this process, you know, be careful about it. Uh, be be wise about it. Um, seek, you know, again, seek a rabbi who can give you good advice, but seek a rabbi who can give you good advice, not just one that will throw advice at you.
0: Yeah, so. and and one that, you know, knows more about how to, how to make a, how to make ammo safely other than just ammo that goes bang every time. Yeah, um, yes. You know, again, this is, you know, dealing with lead and heavy metals. Uh, it's not the first, second, third exposures. It's... you know, the hundredth or the thousandth. Um, and when you get to that point, it's really hard to fix the problem.
1: Yeah. Really hard to go back the other way. So yes, indeed guys, if you, if you guys have, um, um, you know, questions about this stuff or, or, or comments or additional concerns that we're not talking about, you know, by all means hit us up, stop by the shop. Let's have a conversation about it because we can always do an addendum to this podcast and say, Hey, you know, we had somebody who knows more about it than us bring these things to our attention um, you know, and we, we would love to hear more information about that. Cause like I said, it has become a top of mind or a front of mind topic for a lot, a lot of folks are now looking at reloading. Now, unfortunately, it's a little too late if you don't already have the materials. Um, but you know, that's definitely going to be a conversation that's not going to go away in the next couple of years. Cause I don't think you're going to see ammo prices recede significantly or at least not get back to where they were, uh, in December, January of last year. I don't think you're going to see those numbers come back down for well, they won't get back down to the $10 a box 9mm, but I don't know how, how long it would be before we get back down to $15 a box 9mm either. It could be quite some time. So, this is going to be a, th- a topic on everybody's mind. So, if you could help us out with that, we'd appreciate it. So. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, again, please come visit us at the store or 4465 Cemetery Road in Hilliard, Ohio, um, right next to Louis Fusion Grill and in front of the Aldi's. Um, you can follow us along on social media as long as they let us uh, keep our accounts open. <laughs> yeah, uh, We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, just search for Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we also do an email newsletter once a week. Um, lots of interesting topics, uh, things we've gotten into the, into the store inventory-wise. Um, you can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com. Uh, a quick note, we are continuing to run um, COVID-related hours um, due to Mini-Mike's tyrannical decrease. Uh, we are 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday. Um, yeah, am I missing anything there? Um, if you're looking at doing transfers
1: or looking at purchasing a That's it. Um, go to our website, take a look there. The processes uh, are available, everything you need to do, all the information you need is available there for you for a standard uh, FFL transfer of a firearm that you purchase online or from a different vendor. Uh, If you're looking at purchasing a suppressor, we do everything through our storefront at Silencer Shop. Then all the information to get you there and get you set up is online um, at capsityoutfitters.com. So definitely, you know, take a look there. And if you have questions about the process, either way, uh, if you're not seeing what you need to see or you're just not maybe a tech guy, give us a call. We'll walk you through it real quick. No big deal. Uh, Happy to do that business.
0: Yeah. Um, Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Thanks, guys.